0: son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. The desire is that for you today, uh, faith is just sort of coming real easy for you. It's just a real natural thing. And Uh, Whatever's going on in your life, you're saying, praise God, I see him at work, and it's onward, it's upward, it's great, and my faith is just working on all cylinders, and that's what I hope for you this morning. For the other 99% of you, let's understand that sometimes faith is pretty hard. The Bible even talks about some people who have a gift of faith. Now, when the Bible says a gift of faith, it's not talking about, um, oh, well, only, only uh, uh, some people are allowed to have faith. It's talking about some people have a particular facility, a, a way in their life, the Holy Spirit is working such a way that just, just faith comes naturally to them. You, you know some people like this. When you're around them, no matter what happens, they, they've always said, well, God's in control, and they mean it. You and I say God's in control, and we're, we're not sure. Oh, come on, be honest. But some people have that gift of faith where, where the whole world can be collapsing around them and they'll just say, God's on his throne and all's right with the world. And I think God gives some people that kind of faith, expression of faith, to encourage the rest of us and to remind us that God really is on his throne and all's right with the world, and God is going to bring this whole thing to the conclusion that honors and glorifies him. And so there are some who have a great facility for faith, a great gift of faith, if you will, and the the Holy Spirit uses that to edify the body, to build up the church, but for the rest of us, we kind of struggle with this faith thing. And we, we know that we're... We're we're saved by the grace of God, and, and, and understand that we are saved by God's grace through faith. Faith just connects us up to the grace of God. See, as, as a kid, I remember having this idea that that faith was something that I had to manufacture and I had to attain and and and, and bring to the forefront. It's My therapist is still working on this idea. Uh, but, uh, but, but the idea was you, you have to believe in God. You have to believe in Jesus. And even in the third grade, because I... It's not like I remember doing this in the third grade, but it's like I remember doing this in the First Baptist Church of San Diego, California, and I knew I was in the third grade then, <laughs> okay? But I remember, I can, I can still see it, and I'm thinking to myself, how much do I have to believe? I mean, seriously, how much do I have to believe? Because I don't know enough. I don't know what it is that I don't believe yet. Maybe I'll run into something. <laughs> I said, how hard do I have to believe? How strong do I have to believe? Am I not allowed to have questions? I'm asking this as a, as, as a third grader. Some of you are going home looking at your kids. You say, what are you thinking about? <laughs> Batman. <laughs> but, okay, but, but here's the thing. I thought faith as a child, I thought faith was something that I had to get a lot of and then take all my faith and bring it and set it down before God and say, okay, God, is that enough faith? Have I got... Do I believe hard enough for all these good things to start happening? You know, do I have enough faith now where, where through the trials and tribulations and, and, the, and the problems of life that you're going to kick into gear and do something in my life? Am I going to start to see miracles? Have I brought you enough faith yet? Because as a child, I still thought faith was something I did, that it was a work, that it was a part of the Christian Religion. What a joy it was when I found out that Jesus does it all. Start to finish. And from beginning to end, Jesus actually does the entire work. It's the grace of God that accomplishes the work of salvation in our lives. And what faith is faith is just saying, uh huh. I mean, that, that's the Hebrew word for it, uh huh. <laughs> Well, actually, I'll I'll throw this in here. Actually, the Hebrew word for faith or to believe is the word aman. Uh, We get our word amen from it. Um, The English word amen comes by way of Aramaic through the Hebrew. The the root word is aman, and that word aman was the word you would use if you had said for sure. If you wanted to establish something, you'd use the word aman. If you wanted to say something is certain, you would use the word aman. And if you wanted to say, for sure, that's right, you would say, I'm on. And so, at the end of prayers, when we say amen, we're not just saying, glad that's over. What we're we're actually saying when we say amen is, that is for certain. What I just heard prayed, God, your will be done. Let's establish your will through this prayer. Whatever we're praying, let the Holy Spirit work this out. Amen means, yeah, that's right, Uh uh-huh. And faith is just saying to God, "Uh uh-huh, that's right, it's certain, that is established in my life. But we still continue to struggle with this faith thing. And and a lot of it happens when uh, things are going badly, um, when illness comes, when the family is broken, when heartaches uh, come our way. when the job isn't working out, when uh, plans that we had are falling apart, when we don't see any hope, we don't see any, 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 any change for the better going on, it's really kind of hard to believe if we're honest about it at that point. And that's why the grace of God is so great. Paul, in, in the book of Romans, says the righteousness of God has been revealed through Jesus Christ. And that righteousness is poured into your life. And the times might be going hard but just keep saying, uh-huh, yes to God. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. You ever think about that? Yeah. Walking by sight is walking by what I can control, walking by what I can understand. Walking by what I can put in its proper categories and manipulate it to get the outcome that I desire. That's walking by sight. Walking by faith is saying, God, you alone know what's happening here. You alone know what the need is, not just today, but through all eternity. You alone know what the need is, not just in my little small world, but throughout the entire universe. God, you alone know, and so I'm gonna trust you in what you're doing. Uh Uh-huh, that's right. And I'll put my faith in you. That's the difference between walking by faith, walking by sight. So, uh, this, this little guy says to Paul, well, you keep talking about this faith thing, but don't you see Abraham? Don't you remember the story of Abraham that uh, he, was, he was singled out by God, and God started doing a mighty work through him and raised up a nation of, of people. Out of him would come Messiah. Don't, don't you remember all that? Abraham was a really good guy, and he was a part of the Jewish tradition and the Jewish religion. And Paul is, is essentially says, no, when we look at Abraham, we don't see that. We don't see law. We don't see right and ritual. We don't see heritage. We don't see race. We don't see some kind of lineage that, that, that God's dealing with him differently. What we see when we look at Abraham is this. Abraham believed God And it was counted to him, it was considered in his life as righteousness. Remember, righteousness is the the work whereby God establishes a right relationship with us whereby our lives are made right, that is, they are returned to being lived for the glory, the honor, the praise of God. So all Abraham did was say, yes, that's right, uh uh-huh, to God, and that's where the righteousness came in. Wasn't through the law, came after Abraham. Wasn't through rites and rituals, that was established later. It came when Abraham believed God. Now, I want for us to look at that real quick. Just look uh, back at uh, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. I found it right away, but I had it marked earlier, so (laughs) don't feel bad. Genesis chapter 15, um, you know, God has been working in, in, in Abraham's life Already, He's been doing some really cool things. He's brought him out uh, of of early Chaldees and out of Haran, and he's bringing him into the promised land, and he's protected him and all these other kinds of things. So a lot of good things have been going on. Um, Abraham and God are are like really close here. In fact, they're so close that um, God calls him Abram. Okay, you, you all, the Bible scholars, you know better than that. Uh, Abraham's name was Abram. It was changed to Abraham later on in the story, but, but it's still Abram here, but, but Abram is Abraham, okay? All right. Now, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. God says this, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Don't, don't get bent out of shape, Abram. I have proved myself in the past to be the one who protected you, who guided you, who lifted you up. I've been your shield and your protector all these times. Your reward will be great. You look in the past, Abram, you see I've been faithful to you. I'll be faithful in the future. Your reward is going to be great. You're thinking, well, Abram ought to say, well, that's really cool. That's really fine. Um, God and I are just having this great relationship. Verse 2, but Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. That is um, a, a household servant that Abraham probably adopted so that Eliezer would be the legal heir of the Abram estate. And it was sort of like a legal fiction that people did back then when they didn't have any children. He says, this guy, Eliezer, he's not even about my family. It's a legal fiction. Look, God, I'm having to pick up the pieces behind your failure to act. What are you going to give me? I'm still childless. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. In other words, Abram, even at this point, he says, God, I don't see it. I just, I just don't see it worked out. You said, Father of many nations. You said, be a bunch of folks come, come out of my family background and all that. God, I just don't see it. Have you ever had a prayer like that? Have you ever gotten honest enough with God to say, God, you might be working, but I don't see it? By the way, that, shouldn't, that really shouldn't bother us too much, <laughs> you know, because God is like pretty big and maybe we can't see it. But, uh, but, but he's gotten to that point of frustration. He says, God, I don't see it. And all this other stuff is fine, but I don't see it. Verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Brought him outside said, Look at the heavens, number of stars, if you're able to count them. Said to him, So shall your offspring be. What did God do? Abram says, God, I'm trying to believe in you, but I just don't see it. It's not working out. This is like really, really hard to do. And God says to Abram, Well, I promised you, didn't I? And that's all he does. All God does when Abram can't see the promise is repeat the promise. What's with that? No, all God does is he said, Abram, you got to get back to where we started. I promised this. You don't see it now, but it'll happen. Now, this puts Abram's life into a real moment of crisis because he can do one of two things. He can do what you and I would do. Well, God, that's really great. I'll keep going to church. I'll even sing the hymns. I'll smile and all that. But deep down, I'm kind of of upset at you. But what Abram actually did was this in verse 6. He, Abram, believed amon the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him, Abram, as righteousness. Instead, what Abram said was, God, I may not see it. I may not understand it, but uh uh-huh, that's right. You gave me a promise. I'm going to live for the promise. I'm going to focus on the promise. I'm going to keep moving towards the promise. And what I'd like to tell you is, and at that point, God's glory shone down on Abram and the promise was fulfilled and the doors opened up and the kingdoms arose and Abram's life was great and that's not what happens. Abram believes God. God says, That's it. We're in a good relationship now. My righteousness flowing into this relationship we have, verse 7 in, in Genesis 15. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth of the Chaldees to give you this land to possess. But he said, Oh Lord, how am I to know? <laughs> now understand, Abram is talking to God. <laughs> Right? This is, this is a, a conversation. I'm not sure exactly how it happens, but it's that conversation you wish God would have with you. You know, when, when you said, God, if you would just speak to me, and here God is speaking just very directly, and Abram says, how am I to know? He still has questions. He still has doubts. I take a little bit of comfort from that. I don't know if you do, but I do, You know, if a guy like Abram can say, God, I I hear the promises. I'm living for the promises. I'm trusting in the promises. I'm standing on the promises. Okay, I'm doing all that, God, but I still don't get it. I still don't see it. But here's the deal. In in the the following verses, what, what God does is he establishes the covenant with Abram. But essentially it's this. God said, but I promised, didn't I? And I keep my promises. And Abram said, that's right. That's right, you do. Amen. He believed God. And that's how righteousness flowed into the life of Abram. It wasn't because great things happened. It wasn't because a great miracle took place. It's simply because Abram decided that his life would be shaped and defined by the promises of God. And that when he looked at a situation, he would evaluate it and let the Holy Spirit, he didn't use these terms, but he would have um, in New Testament times, but he was going to let the Holy Spirit guide his thinking and guide his decisions so that his life would be in lockstep with the glory of God, and therefore the will of God would be expressed in his life. And however God wanted to work out the details was fine with Abram. That's hard to get there. But that's what we mean when we say walking by faith. It's hearing the promises, being honest with God about it, and just saying, that's right, and I'm going to live based on those promises. Now, you've kept your finger in Romans. Let's go back to Romans 4 real quick because that, that's all wrapped up in that verse um, in Romans 4:3. What does Scripture say? Abram believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. Now, you've got a choice. You can go one of two ways, and Paul talks about it in verse 4. He says, now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as gift, but as his due. I mean, if you want to relate to God on the basis of your own achievement and your own works, if you want to uh, relate to God and say, God, you sort of owe me one because I'm a, I'm a really good person, um, I'm a people person, you know, that, that kind of thing. If, if, uh, if you want to relate to God on the basis of works, you're not asking for grace. You're asking for merit pay. And here's the problem. You can't earn it. You just can't, you can't bring to God anything worthy of that. So that, that's your other choice. Here's the other choice in verse 5. But to one who does not work but believes and says, uh-huh, in him who justifies the ungodly, there's the key. God justifies the ungodly. And this is why um, uh, faith becomes such a real dynamic in the life of the believer. The beginning point of our faith is that God in Christ has reconciled the world unto himself. He's reconciling us to himself through Jesus Christ. And when we come to the Father, it is through his Son whom the Father sent to die in our place. That's the established fact. You look back in history, that's what happened. Jesus died for us. And once you realize Jesus died for me, God sent him to die for me, not when I was a a great person, but when I was ungodly. When I was a sinner, Jesus died for me. That's how much God loves me. Then the faith says, "Uh uh-huh, and that love hasn't stopped. And God will continue to work for my good. So, Faith, the the life of faith, is saying, here are the promises of God. I'm going to live according to the promises of God. I'm going to let them define my life and shape my life. What I do will be in accordance with what God has promised, not contrary to his promises. I'm going to live according to the promises of God. And again, I would like to tell you at this point, I would like to tell you at this point, that then everything goes swimmingly well. You know, life will be fine. You won't have any problems anymore anymore. But here's what the Bible actually says about that. If you look over at Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11. If you have a text in front of you on a table of contents, you can find it. In Hebrew, well, just first start out, Hebrews 11.1, one, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Yeah. Faith is, is much more than you can comprehend. The promises, you don't see it yet, but faith still latches onto that. And then the rest of the chapter of Hebrews 11 talks about great figures of the Old Testament who were faith, who believed even though they didn't get the, the promise yet, they, they kept on going by faith because they were kept uh, keeping uh, faithful. They were, they were hanging on to the promises of God. But what I want you to do in Hebrews 11, if you have it in front of you, um, skip on down to verse... Uh, well, let's start at verse 32. It's a lot of reading here, but you'll enjoy it because I read so well. Yes, there you go. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, attained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. I want this, don't you? By faith, I get to win. By faith, I can walk into the lion cage and, you know, do that lion thing, you know, and and all that. I mean, if I just have the right kind of faith, man, that's the faith I want. The Bible doesn't stop there. Verse fourteen, Hebrews eleven. No. Verse thirty-five. Verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection. That's great. By faith, some were tortured. By faith, some refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others, by faith, suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. By faith, they were stoned. By faith, they were sawn in two. By faith, they were killed with the sword. By faith, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. If we stop there, it's a pretty glum picture. But since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect, He's just saying all those who suffered these things by faith have been brought into the great work that God is doing in Jesus Christ, and it has all come together for the glory of God in in this great work he is doing in building and raising up for himself a people of faith. So the faith is no guarantee of, oh, wondrous things. A lot of times faith will lead you to some pretty horrible things. But our testimony to each other is this. Uh-huh. God knows what he's doing. This isn't easy for me to say, but I just believe he's in control. And it, it's very hard for me to cite exactly where I see all this, but God knows what he's doing. And when it's all said and done, and when the last talus sheets are, are are added up, those who have faith will be counted righteous before God. And that's the life of faith. So I guess my, my encouragement to you is, you know, you're, you're looking at this faith thing and you might be saying, I, you know, I, I don't get it. And, and, you know, so many times I try to have faith, I try to believe, I grow weak in the faith, I, I, I feel like quitting and all that. Here, here's the thing, all faith is is just turn back to God and say, God, you're right. Uh-huh. You know what you're doing. And whatever it is, God, amen to that. And how that works out in your life, the Holy Spirit will, will, will just unfold that for you. But what you'll know every step along the way that God will be causing all things to work together for good if you love him. And by faith, you've answered that call to do it and to live for his purposes. So... I, It'd be great if y'all had that gift of faith that never doubts and never wavers and all that. But for the 99% of us for whom life is very, very real, my challenge for you would be to believe God, to believe that it's counted as righteousness, that the glory of God works in your life when you align your life with his promises and just go in the direction of where he's leading and leave the rest to him. So that's my challenge this week. See, it was grace last week, it's faith this week. But to live by faith, not by sight, okay? All right. Let's bow together in and prayer. And Father, thank you so much for doing everything that we needed to bring us into fellowship with you. Thank you for being the God who not only authors life, but directs life, sustains life. Thank you, God, for choosing us, no merit of our own, but simply your grace bringing us to yourself. So, Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be poured out on the folks in this room, on on their families. Father, that you'd work in such a way that we would see you present and working, and even if not, Father, that you would give us the courage of faith to keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Father, I ask all these things for your glory in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.